Todd Reardon's here to save the Penguins' power play. One game in, it looked kind of interesting. Two games in, I guess we'll find out tonight. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. It is Penguins versus Flyers, 7.08 p.m. here at Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I'll be covering that game, then heading home for Penguins versus Capitals. A couple of games like that. That's the rhythm now. Two games here, two games there. Day off in between. There's going to be a rhythm like a metronome for this league by the time they're a month into this. The Penguins had a fair amount of things that they liked from that 6-3 to loss in the opener a couple nights ago. And I don't have a problem with them liking those things because a lot of those I liked too. I mean, obviously, the outcome is the outcome. It stinks. The third period in general and the lapses that were there, those stunk. So I'm not being a Pollyanna here. But I also watched the first two periods, and there were certain facets of the Penguins game that honestly were a pleasant surprise for me. And one of them was the power play. Now, the Penguins went one for three, and the one goal that they got was not exactly a power play goal. I mean, it was technically, but that was the one where Carter Hart tried to clear the puck from behind his net up the middle, and Sid picked it off, and then with one hand somehow just ridiculously flipped it over Hart and into the open net. I mean, it's always nice to get a power play goal on a power play. You'll take him any way you can, but it really wasn't indicative of the power play itself. Todd Reardon was brought in by management by Jim Rutherford specifically, in large part because of his background in power plays. Now, it's easy to be skeptical of anyone who coached and instructed a power play in Washington because, generally speaking, what you do with that one is you say, all right, I've got John Carlson at the right point. I've got uh, Nicholas Backstrom over here on the right half wall. I've got Evgeny Kuznetsov flying around. Uh, Dmitry Orlov on the left point, and oh, I have this other guy. I have this other guy at the top of the left circle. All you guys, get him the puck. He'll be standing right there. And hey, it works. It works. Brilliant coaching. Well, Reardon doesn't have Alexander Ovechkin, obviously, anymore, but he's got some elite talent to work with. Their problem, ironically, is that they've been way too predictable. And unlike the case of Ovechkin parking himself at the left dot, they can be stopped when they're predictable. In fact, they often are stopped. And that's been something that's pestered the Penguins really ever since the two most recent Cups. Uh, There was a a fair amount of time after the second of those Cups where the power play was still pretty good, all driven and powered by Phil Kessel. Phil really made that thing go because Phil had that one variable, kind of like the Ovechkin thing, that you couldn't stop. 
Phil would park himself over on those left boards. Park's not the right word, because he was moving. He'd be over there. He'd get the puck, and all of a sudden, he's a two-way threat. He can either dissect your box, go to Sid down low, the opposite lip of the crease, go across point to change the shape of the penalty-killing box, or, and this was the real punchline, he can just shoot it himself. And he didn't even need to wind up or give anybody a chance to go down and block his shot because he could shoot gas or wrist shots, something nobody ever shoots anymore. Phil still got the best one in the game. So when he'd come off those boards, the goalie had to respect three arguably more options that were available to Phil. And as hockey smart as Phil is, you knew he could be thinking of any of those at any given time. The power play ran through Phil Kessel. And as soon as Phil was gone, there was no power play. Say what one will about the greatness, and I'm using the term appropriately, of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin over the course of their careers. Neither of them has been a dominant power play performer. That's just the truth. It's not a criticism. It's not being mean. And I'm not even going to get into the comparisons to the two greatest power play performers the Penguins have ever known, those obviously being Yarmir Yager and the greatest power play performer of all time on any team, Mario Lemieux. Sid and Gino, for whatever reason, just haven't had that. Uh, that's the reason that coaches have seen Gino as being a viable option on the left point. Tell me how often you've seen, over the course of hockey history, a guy who's the leading scorer in the league, which Gino's been, a guy who was the leading points-per-game producer in the NHL just this past season get moved out to the point. Uh, there aren't many. There aren't many. I'm going off the top of my head here. I remember Sergei Fedorov did it a lot uh, in Detroit. You know, Joe Sackick saw some point work, but not a ton. There's, there's not many examples of it. Why? You're putting a guy farther from the net. The goalies are thanking you. But he's been kind of a puzzle in that regard. Sid, less so, but Sid's still a puzzle. Sid likes to think of himself as a guy who's a right circle guy, a right half boards guy, but he's not. He's usually and generally more effective and more productive when he's down lower by the goal line. Catch is, he doesn't really like it that much, even though he's really good at it. Not sure I've ever really understood that. But those things are in play, and those are parts of the overall dynamic that Reardon has to deal with. And we're going to get another glance tonight at how he approaches it. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, warmer than wool, hypoallergenic. They come in all-day wear socks, as well as a wide variety of styles and colors. Get yourself a pair 
and do it through us. You'll be glad you did. Go to warrioralpacasocks.com and use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, that's the code DK just for our podcast listeners at warrioralpacasocks.com. The Penguins had yesterday off here in Philly. No practice. They did some remote uh, virtual video work, and part of what they looked at was the power play. Here's what Sidney Crosby had to say uh, about the power play Wednesday night, as well as, in general, Reardon's contributions to it to date. Yeah, I think he's just stressing the details and making sure that we're all on the same page, and I think that's something that um, has kind of been the theme throughout camp and, and through game one. I thought uh, our first one was pretty good. Um, you know, I think, you know, there was a couple plays that, you know, just execution stuff um, that probably hurt us, you know, after that. But uh, for the most part, I, I like our mentality of just being aggressive and and uh, being on the same page. So I think, you know, that's something we got to figure out quick, but uh, you do need some time too. So, Yeah, he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. It was pretty good. And it's funny that he, he referenced there in a kind of passing way that the mistakes that they made were execution mistakes. Well, the worst of those actually was his own. Uh, the Penguins had a really nice setup going on their third power play, and he tried to go back to the point, and it was virtually handed uh, to Kevin Hayes for an easy clear. That was that. Uh, overall, again, they were pretty good. Uh, they're going to stick with this power play one, I think, for a while. That being uh, Sid, Gino, Brian Rust, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel. Brian Dumoulin was out there uh, for a time, which was also a different look, meaning with the first power play, he's got a wrist shot, speaking of wrist shots, that he prefers to take over his slap shot, and maybe that helps in terms of getting the puck to the net, getting it through. Uh, some of the better power play performers in franchise history have been guys who have used wrist shots to get the puck through. Paul Coffey, Larry Murphy, going way back, Mo Mantha, Ron Stackhouse. Uh, they took something off the shot to get it there and just made sure that they had bodies there when it arrived. But that's also going to be part of this issue, right? Because there's no Patrick Hornquist now. Uh, who's going to go there? Who's going to make that difference? It's going to be interesting to watch. But again, I know that their top priority tonight won't be an artful power play. It's going to be coming away with the result. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, if that's your concern, if that's your worry, they're here for you. They're ready to help. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. 
Our question comes from Plasman, who asks, I know it's a limited sample size, but it appears that there's not a lot of chemistry between Zucker and Malkin, and it did appear that there was some between Zucker and Sid. Gensel makes great plays with either one. Do you think Sully will be changing up the top two lines left wingers if that continues to be the case? Well, Plaz, you kind of loaded that one. I actually don't agree with, let me see, different things you mentioned here. Okay, none of them. (laughs) Sorry. That's what happens when you send something in, though, you know? Um, We're all entitled to different viewpoints. I'm not saying that mine's correct or yours is incorrect. Just letting you know mine. Uh, I think Zucker and Malkin have actually done a lot of pretty good things together. I thought Zucker played well. I thought Rust played well. I thought they mostly played well with each other. I thought Gino was in outer space for the better part of the game. I didn't really understand a lot of what he was trying to achieve. I don't think it was a lack of effort necessarily. It's just sometimes he's trying to do things that he doesn't need to try. I also don't agree that Gensel played great. I thought Jake was really, really hard to notice. Uh, I understand that you're referencing that in a general term, though. Uh, I would definitely not be messing with the top six, particularly not before Kasperi Kapanen comes in and you have a chance to see what your top six really is. Look look at it this way, Plas. You need to have Sid and Jake together. I just don't see another way around that. Uh, yes, we've seen Jake be extremely effective with Gino, but we haven't seen a whole lot of wingers be extremely effective with Sid. So you have to start there. You just do. Um, that's sometimes not fair to Gino. The fact that he's more compatible, I think, with wingers than Sid's been traditionally. But that's also life in a team sport. Uh, You've got to adjust to what it is that you have. Keeping Sid and Jake together is a no-brainer for me. Um, And I'll repeat, Zucker and Malkin and Rust, they just need Gino to have his head in the game. And I think you're going to like what you see from those guys as well. One thing, though, for me to throw into this, since you're the one who brought up the top six, Evan Rodriguez was playing this strange version of center field, if you will, in that opener. And when I say center field, believe it or not, I'm not even talking about baseball or hockey. I'm talking about the center field version that a safety plays in football. He was way back of the play. Uh, Lined up at times like a third defenseman. Now, whether that was the plan or whether he was just, oh, no, I can't possibly get scored against while I'm out here with these guys, I don't know. Whether it was the fact that Rodriguez, when he did get the puck and go into the offensive zone, tried nothing on his own and instead just looked around and said, where's 87? Where's 87? Where's 87? And just gave him the puck and the Flyers knew it and they'd pick it off. He's not the answer, obviously on the first line. But Kapanen is going to be. And between what I just told you and Jake's very lame attempt to get back 
on the fourth Philadelphia goal, the one that was the winner. I'm going to keep reminding listeners of this program that there is no defensive presence on that first line, meaning the Gensel-Crosby-Kapanen line. There is no defensive presence, and it cannot and will not be manufactured out of any of those three, which means they're going to have to be some hellacious version of dominant in order to justify staying together, and we will see how that goes. We won't see it tonight, though. No Kapanen tonight. So the lineup that you're going to see undoubtedly is going to be the same one that you saw for the opener, and we'll see how that goes. Thanks to everybody uh, for listening to this show all week. We'll be back with this on Monday. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real world experience and career building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.